Hello and good morning to everyone. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Matt. I'm one of the senior strategy facilitators at Alembic. Um, my background is in healthcare, although today I help leaders across all sectors work through um, their most challenging problems. And that's anything from high level conflict to working towards selling your business and all of the things that fall in between. Um, we like to do that with a, a mix of facilitation, of coaching, of training and uh, whatever else we can put together to help out. Um, and before we get started on our topic today, we should do some introductions uh, to the rest of the Olympic team that are joining me today. Uh, we're very lucky to have a full complement of us with, uh, with you today. Uh, so perhaps Barbara, you can uh, start us off with an intro. Yes, good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be here. Um, interesting topic today. And um, I'm a senior uh, strategy facilitator and a coach at Alembic, and my background is management consulting and change management. And what I do is I help leaders and their teams um, in the transition, because the problem normally is where things get started and have to start. And so through coaching and facilitation, we support the team to get to where they want to be and um, get to the outcome that they're really looking forward to achieve. Uh, I wonder perhaps you can give us an intro as well. Hi, everybody. And thank you so much, Matt. Uh, what a delight to be with you all this morning. Um, I'm a leadership coach and strategy advisor with Alembic, and um, my background is in um, organizational psychology, uh, and absolutely delighted to be here and share some thoughts around this uh, super hot topic at the moment. And finally, a re returning face, Nick. Morning, everybody. Uh, very nice to see you on the webinar this morning. So uh, I'm Nick Mayhew, MD and founder at Alembic, um, and uh, just look forward to today's session. Wonderful. Thank you, guys. Um, if you want to the next slide. Okay, let's introduce today's topic. So that's AI and its role in business and transformation. Um, everybody's probably heard of AI, but when you ask people to tell you about it, you get a range of different responses. So I'm going to start just with a simple definition of what AI is. In really simple terms, it's the capability of a computer to demonstrate human-like behavior. But some examples of that are really obvious. So anybody that's used a general language model like uh, ChatGPT, it's really obvious. obviously think of as modern AI. And other examples can be a bit less obvious. So if you think about the uncanny recommendation you get from Netflix for a show you might like, also AI. And in fact, AI is, is really everywhere these days. Um, for me, it, it raised two interesting questions as we were talking about it, which we'll, we'll try to explore a little bit more as we run through the topic today. Um, those questions are, are you using AI in your business? And if you're not using AI in your business, why are you not using AI in your business? Now, something which helped us at Alembic when we were talking through this subject uh, was looking at the uh, diffusion of innovation curve that you can see on here. Um, most of you, I think, are probably going to be familiar with it. Uh, it essentially describes uh, the number of users that are adopting new technologies or ideas over time 
which you can see on the curve um, from a small amount at the start uh, on innovators moving through the model to laggards at the end who are quite late to adopt and pick up new technologies. Um, Pat, for you as well, it'd be interesting to, to think about where you might sit on that curve as we start to talk through things today. Um, and actually our, our discussion on, on technology adoption, um, it kind of took us in a direction of thinking about other really transformational and significant adoptions that we've seen in our lifetime for a bit of context. Um, an example that really stuck with us was an example of the internet. So this was a, a new and novel technology at the time. Uh, people didn't really pick it up super quickly. People didn't really know what to do with it when it, it first came out. Um, and I think that AI shares a few of those uh, characteristics with the internet and it, it suffers from some of the same barriers to, to adoption as well. Um, and with, with that example in mind and you know, considering the uh, world-changing impact the internet had on business and, and really on the world in general, um, I want to try and explore why AI technology isn't uh, hasn't got more uptake for your average business person, particularly if you think how how much exposure there is. Everybody's aware of AI and and what a big deal it is. Um, which brings me on to our our poll, um, which I think uh, Alice will help us launch. Uh, so please take a minute and and try and have a think about what your biggest barrier to using AI is. This is whether you use it a little bit or whether it's something that's completely new to you. Okay, so the biggest biggest barrier coming in from those votes is uh, not being tech savvy, closely followed by time and the unknown. Those were certainly things that we talked about when we were uh, first looking at our barriers um, and um, putting our theories about what we suspected would be big barriers for other people. Okay, great, we'll, we'll circle back round and we'll talk about that some more at the end. So, I thought a good place to start talking about how we might use AI in business is to tell you a little bit about our experiences with AI. Um, and you can see they're dotted all over this slide. Um, now, our regular strategy cafe, where we generally come from a place of providing some expert advice, um, is, is changed until today. Today's objective is really to generate some discussion, uh, to tell you a little bit about our experiences really as novice AI users. Um, I suspect it could be something which uh, hits uh, more relatably to our audience, who I suspect are probably mostly novice AI users. Apologies if I'm offending any expert users we have on our uh, listeners today. Um, as you can see between us, we've actually used AI for quite a few different things. And before starting to prepare for the webinar, um, I'll let my colleagues talk a little bit more to these later on. Um, I can see a couple of mine are dotted in there. Um, uh, my favorite is was probably um, my challenging a parking fine. I know it's not in a business context, but GPT-4 wrote me a wonderfully worded legal challenge to my penalty notice um, uh, based on uh, required grace periods for car parks in Scotland, which I thought was really, really impressive. Um, it was promptly rejected, but there you go. It was still fun to do. Um, however, on top of these things, you can see uh, dotted around on screen, um, we've also really challenged ourselves to dig deeper into using AI and to pick up uh, AI technology that's completely new to us. So everybody has done a little bit of that. And I'm going to pick up the baton first and tell you a little bit about my experiences with AI. Well, first of all, uh, in the context of me, I think it's probably worth mentioning that I'm a bit of a geek and tech enthusiast. 
Uh, and I've used AI programs since some of them were made uh, public in their betas, uh, such as DALI and, and GPT. So as you can imagine, um, working on this AI project was right down my street. Um, and you know, I did I found it really fascinating. Um, and it just it continues to blow me away just how powerful and extensive the applications for some of the software are. Um, I've definitely started to use it a little bit more often, particularly now that I've formed more of a habit around using it in my in my day to day. Um, and probably unsurprisingly, it has made my life easier. Uh, I think a really good example is to use this webinar. Um, so during this webinar, all of the images that are part of this deck are generated using uh, Midjourney, which is an AI image generating tool, which you can use to generate uh, pretty much any visuals you like using prompts. So for example, two espresso coffee cups sitting on a table with a few coffee beans scattered around taken from above in a photorealistic style. If you're someone that is looking at our slides, you'll be able to see the outcome of that photo on the far right. And that's also the photo that I used to replace our regular picture on our, our welcome page. Um, I've also included some other images that I've generated, uh, partially for anyone that's interested and partially uh, because I think they're great. Um, the middle left, you can see a reimagining of the Olympic logo. This is also generated by Midjourney. I uh, just told uh, Midjourney a little bit about our company and it came up with that. Uh, I think it's really excellent. And I think this one has obvious um, business applications, um, uh, similar with the one in the middle right. So this is, um, it might be harder to see the media applications. Um, this is a poster advertising off-roading holidays on Mars. Um, good applications, uh, perhaps not that prompt specifically, but you, you can get the idea of how powerful that could be um, for a marketing department, for example. Um, while image generation is a really simple example of AI, um, it made looking for the right visuals for this deck a lot quicker and easier. And it's something I think could have really a significant application for me. Um, given that I use slide decks all the time, and given that you know, in, in the context of our business having to find resource for that, uh, you might have to pay for a stock photo. I think all of those photos are in the range of as good as you might find on a stock uh, website. And there's also another element of uh, AI to this presentation. And that is that there's a full section, which I've already presented and read out to you, which was completely written by AI. And I would be absolutely fascinated to know if anybody has picked out which section that is. Um, I think even my colleagues don't know which part it is. They know it's in there. Um, and while, while I put that in there for the significant novelty factor of doing so and presenting it at a webinar about AI, um, it also brought a number of questions to my mind. One of those questions, the first that came to my mind was, if I already know about AI, I, I find it really interesting and I use it in my personal life semi-regularly, why am I not bringing it to work? I, I know I could speed up what I'm doing. I could probably improve some elements of what I do with better AI integration. Um, but I'm not. So what's what's going on there? Um, it's a difficult question for me, but I think there's a few things from doing a bit of reflection on why that might be. Uh, the first is the more I use AI, the more I learn that I'm completely inept at using AI. Uh, not only is it uh, a barrier to entry when you're picking up a new a new program, 
Um, but there's also the prompt generation side, which is how you get your output, for example, in the form of um, the art that you see on screen. Um, I think this is um, this is uh, something which is new and it's really an art form. Um, and you know, I'm I've found that I am no artist, unfortunately. And I think it's this amateur nature which really um, makes me hesitate to introduce AI at work. This, the second reason I think is more around just habit formation. I just haven't formed a habit of reaching for AI when I'm performing tasks at work. And I know I can improve that by um, just doing it more like any, any tool that you learn. Um, and that's if, if I wanted to do that. And the final thing really, really spins out from that thought. And that is, um, do I want to? I think sometimes I feel guilty about using it and presenting something which doesn't feel uh, genuinely like my work, uh, which might be silly because uh, maybe it's not really uh, so different from previous generation search engines, for example. Um, but there's a feeling that I, I can't shake, that it's not genuinely uh, me. Um, I would be really interested to hear from an audience about that. So. If somebody presented you work as their own in, in your business and you found out it was produced by AI, um, how, how would you feel about that? Uh, perhaps get in the chat and tell us a little bit about that. Um, I'm, I'm going to extend a similar question to my colleagues um, as it's a position that I found myself in at Alembic. So for, for, uh, for all my uh, colleagues at Alembic, um, if you were congratulated on work well done, which you produced using AI, uh, would you feel compelled to tell somebody that it was produced using AI? Or would you say, thank you very much and, and take the praise for yourself? I'll put that to whoever wants to come in to answer it. Nick? Uh, yeah, I probably would cite it. Um, like I wouldn't, and we were talking about this, I wouldn't um, claim that I'd flown to a new city to do some work on my own initiative, I, you know, tell everyone I'd taken a flight. And I think this has just become normal. Um, so I probably would cite it. What about Barbara and Wanda? Do you agree with that? Yeah, Matt, I think um, until we reach that kind of tipping point um, culturally and society, you know, as a whole society, where we don't go mention to everybody all the time that we've used the internet, for example, to do something, right? Until we reach that kind of tipping point, I think, um, I also I, I sit with the same kind of sentiment as you. I feel like I would want to say, oh, I, you know, oh, I used ChatGBT for this or, I, you know, I had the help of uh, Midjourney or I'd like to make a mention of it, I think. <laughs> what about you, Barbara? Similar thing. I've I, um, definitely disclosed up front. I've done this with ChatGPT, <laughs> especially the first few times, because um the need of making sure that everyone knew that I got help. But also, I think there's also an element of um, responsibility in terms of uh, if you find something that is not 100% correct or doesn't resonate, um, it's not me. <laughs> I think there's also that aspect. <laughs> but I'm getting more and more comfortable with it now. It is, it is really interesting that we have mm. unanimous feelings in, in that space. Um, and while I feel that way, I, I also feel like I shouldn't feel that way. Um, as one was talking to is it gets more normal. And I do, I resonate with the example about uh, search engines that you, 
you wouldn't now feel the need to say, oh, I found that information on Google. You would you'd present it as your work. Um, so I think eventually it should move in that direction. Nevertheless, uh, I completely agree with you and, and can't shake that feeling. Um, uh, and uh, on to you, Wanda, to, to pick up the thread. Thanks so much. So this beautiful um, image, uh, as Matt mentioned, is also generated um, through Midjourney. Um, and it really is a kind of a sense for me of how I'm feeling a little bit um, with my journey personally around AI and adopting AI. Um, and, and that is that sometimes I feel a little like I can't see the wood for the trees. So um, I, I sometimes I'm not sure what the best tools are to use and I need to go and do some research on that. Um, and I'd love to use it more because I recognize that there's wonderful, wonderful um, benefits and capabilities that perhaps I'm just not leaning into yet. Um, so I uh, am personally not really an early adopter at all. Uh, but then when I talk to um, some colleagues or other business people, um, they um, may not have touched it or have touched it once or twice. So I think it's all relative, you know, uh, what is really an early adopter, what isn't really an early adopter. And, and so for me, uh, I have this deep sense that um, I want to feel really comfortable around something and adept at something. But we all know that that's not the way that we really learn. You know, in order to get comfortable using something, we have to really use it. So um, what I've been using it for mostly um, is using uh, ChatGPT3 and now ChatGPT4. Uh, for me, it's a wonderful way of eliminating kind of blank page syndrome where you hit a blank page and you're just not sure where to start. Uh, so it uh, does provide that um, kind of kickoff for me, which is really, really, I find really, really helpful. I've also used it quite a lot um, to challenge my own thinking. Uh, so I uh, love to kind of uh, find out what's out there that's maybe opposite um, to what I'm thinking or how I'm presenting something. Uh, and I found that really um, useful as well. Um, it's really uh, fulfilling to have this idea of kind of we're crafting something from scratch. Uh, but the reality is, is that it's just another crafting tool. Um, I don't yet feel comfortable around the fact that it's just another crafting tool, perhaps. Um, but certainly I am getting more and more comfortable as it becomes more and more of a habit to use AI and things like ChatGPT, MidJourney, uh, more and more. I've also been using a wonderful tool called um, AnyWord. And AnyWord really helps you to uh, track, uh, it, it generates um, language um, and then it helps you to track the efficiency and efficacy of the words and content relative to very specific audiences and platforms. So you'll type in your prompt and then it'll bring up um, some content for you. And you'll say, um, I want to put this in content that is best for this particular, for LinkedIn as a platform and for this particular audience. And it'll rejig all of that for you and come up with suggestions. So any word is something that I've been using quite a bit. And I've really, really loved that and found it super helpful. Um, 
definitely have loved uh, playing around with Mid Journey, um, uh, using uh, it kind of in a little bit of a researchy way, uh, thinking about um, it as a medium, and is it really a medium or is it just a tool? So could it be used in the same way as a paint, uh, a paintbrush and paint could be used, and would it have that same kind of feeling um, of fulfillment of um, generating the same kind of emotional response uh, for me as um, as working with actual paint and the brushwood, and so kind of been tracking my emotional responses to that, and it's been really super interesting along that journey to to see where I land up. So really, those are the most of the tools that I've been using, and that's been kind of ChatGPT, uh, AnyWord, a bit of Mid Journey, um, and just playing around like with things that have got AI integrated into them. So Calendly has got a beautiful new um, AI um, integration, uh, which um, describes the type of meeting that you're having, and then provide suggestions around that for you. So that's been my journey really with it so far. Thanks, Matt. That's, that's quite right. I I really resonate with the, the way that you described using mid-journey as well. Um, I, I think it's great for art. I, I, I love art and have no skill in producing it myself. Um, so find it extremely satisfying <laughs> to use for that purpose as well. Um, Barbara, maybe you give us a bit of um, bit of your experience with using AI over the past few weeks. Yeah. Um, unlike you, I'm not an early adopter. In fact, I'm up the opposite scale of the curve. I'm a laggard to the point that I still have to write with pen and paper most of the time. <laughs> but this time, my experience with trying new technology and particularly AI has been very, very different, particularly because I found... Uh, some of the tools that I've been using, uh, ChatGPT and DALI particularly, very easy and intuitive. And the fact that I could try and use it more in a playful way and there were not loads of instructions is very immediate. You just start typing and something comes up and then you, um, you play with the results. Um, enable me to lower a little bit my barrier to um, the resistance to change that I usually have um, due to the fear of not being a tech savvy and also with the idea that, gosh, I need to spend a load of time to learn these things, which speaks to the poll that we did at the very beginning. And therefore... I think I've been um, using AI just put me in a very different mindset and a mind frame this time, very playful. And particularly I used uh, DALI, um, which is similar to Mid Journey, is a, is a, is a tool that generates um, images by using prompt. Um, and what it helped me do um, is to generate, it's a generative process that happens through it, whereby I use it specifically for coaching. We use loads of images in coaching as a way of exploring um, the unconscious and things that are not necessarily verbalized. So using images can be a very useful way to access different types of information. And um, I had a particular image in mind that I could not um, that I could not translate and I, I could not find it in any magazine. I tried to find many, many different magazines, but there was not the image that I had in my mind. 
And so I use Dali to do that. And it's it's very easy because not only you can type what you have in mind and you have an immediate response. In a couple of seconds, you have an image. Then, then you can refine um, and refine and refine. And that immediate feedback loop helped me refine what I had in my mind. So as you see in the image that you have here um, in the slides, that, that's the process that Dale helped me go through the image in my mind that 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 gets um crystallized more and more and more by just providing more input to the system and I think it's beautiful and and it's uh and it's easy on top of that the um Dale provides a lot of tips uh, every time a new image gets generated um with uh, just telling you uh, you can use a different style or you can use, um, for example, um, picture style or this type of art or um, and this is what it would look like. So it's it's very intuitive and very easy. Um, I cannot necessarily say the same for uh, Microsoft Copilot. And in all honesty, um, it's been a very, a very early experience and I haven't been um, fully using it yet. I just had some, um, I did some research and, and, and so few ways of using it. And that experience for me is already a bit different. It's less playful and it's less intuitive and it feels more like work in a way, partially because it's a tool that um, integrates and it's, it's part of Microsoft and it's it's made to be, it's um, an assistant. It's, it's, it's an efficient tool that um, integrates with all of the Microsoft uh, applications and can do loads of very beautiful things um, like generating, for example, entire new documents from in PowerPoint by taking many different bits and pieces from other documents that you can, um, that you can, that um, you give input to use as well as pictures and graphs. And in Teams, you can use to set agendas for meeting and summarize bullet points from OneNote um, to support to, to in, 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 in um, supporting in generating new discussions. And particularly with Excel, is seems to be incredibly useful in summarizing loads of data, um, doing graphs and showing you and telling you how um, the tool came to those those specific conclusions. But the intuitiveness that comes from Dali or ChatGPT from that perspective um, has been taken away from me. Um, even in trying to understand how to get it, how to buy it, how to how to um, download it, it's more complicated. But um, overall, I think um, what I'm going to be doing is trying to use it with the application in Microsoft that I feel more familiar with so that um, it's easier to start to remove my barrier to the resistance that I have. And um, I think by starting it um, in this way, then it's gonna be easier to approach it. And I definitely want to continue to have the playfulness mind frame um, rather than the work and um, 
oh gosh, I need to spend a lot of time before I get to somewhere with this, um, which always is at the back of my mind. That's such a lovely comment. Um, I hadn't considered that, but I, I really, really agree with that sentiment. Um, and I had, had a similar experience with Copilot and not really picked up using it. But I'm well aware that our entire ecosystem is within Microsoft 365. So if there is ever going to be an application for us to um, make some impact with what we do, it's probably going to be Copilot. So it's a definite flag for Alembic to start learning a bit more about Copilot on the back <laughs> of doing this research. Um, <laughs> Nick, what, what have you been using? Have you been using similar things? Any different thoughts from what we've been over? Um, well, so just, I mean, I, I instantly feel a kind of sense of discomfort having to do more with Microsoft. <laughs> so just very understating my football team of allegiance there up front. But um, yeah, so I kind of come across this uh, from a different direction. Um, I've been using it um, you know, for about a year now um, in all sorts of different domains. Um, Matt helped me generate uh, this image, um, which kind of feeds into kind of my comments. So um, this is me as a student, um, really struggling to get um, the right kind of valuable interaction that I needed as a mature student um, in my science degree, which I've just just finished, um, and finding that going to ChatGPT was an amazing solution. Um, so for me, it was this ability to talk to somebody about something um, new while I'm thinking, reflecting, learning, researching, studying, and I've got an object an on objective to sort of write or produce something. Um, not wanting to use AI um, for the actual content because that'd be plagiarism, you know, and it'd be a breach of kind of policies. But just needing somebody in, you know, uh, the time where I'm actually studying to talk to who can competently reflect and you'd think that would be a fellow student who's on the same course who I got on with you know that would be what would have happened in the 1980s when I was at uni you know maybe a teaching fellow but they're hard to track down got to get an appointment you know when the thought is in your mind they're not available um you know maybe you can speak to them a week on Wednesday right so it's just very difficult to have that and so I thought well look I'll try this generative language model I'll try AI and I found it just fabulous um, because it has access to um, a lot of information and can be expressive in a human-like way, it's a great chat partner for complex technical topics. And I was chatting to it about neuroscience and psychology, and mental health issues. Uh, so interestingly for me, it had the capability and the depth uh, to be a really powerful chat partner. And for me, I need that. So the core use here is in going backwards and forwards with somebody else conversationally helps me to form my own ideas um, and helps me generate my understanding. And if I don't have that back and forth between somebody else, I find that very hard. It's a bit like, you know, Wanda was saying the blank piece of paper. I need the talk uh, and I need the feet, you know, need someone to come back at me uh, to then respond off that. Um, yeah, and it was great for that. Um, so I used it just all the time in my uh, studying process, just sitting side by side as I was reading and studying stuff, I'd just go to chat and ask a question, chat about something for a little bit and then move back. Um, things to watch out for and things that develop. So um, it is generative. 
Um, and so one time I asked it to find me some studies um, that um, kind of confirmed the chat we've just been having. And it sent me some studies, but it's generative. So it made them up, it generated them. Uh, so it sent me some content back, which looked like genuine uh, academic articles. I went to find them and they didn't exist. I was pretty shocked. Um, and uh, my first reaction was, oh my God, it's just made that up, it's lying. Like a very kind of... Um, anthropomorphic reaction to it and then like with a bit of reflection I thought well no it's just doing what it's supposed to do it's just generating an answer from the information it's got so I've learned to refine that by using the add-ins so this is the key point here there are some incredible add-ins uh, for GPT and I started using some of them but the one here is um, um, research library add-ins and you have them switched on um, and then you could use your prompts to say without giving me um, articles answer this question what do you think about so and so and so and so so that'd be a good prompt to say ignore the add-in while it's still on if you don't do that it will always go to the add-in and just draw from that so um, if I have the add-in on I would say okay show me some really good recent articles about that and it would bring me correct articles which are real because it's now drawing from the article library rather than just making stuff up um, so just something to watch out for um, it is generative so when you're back and forth it might generate something that sounds good but isn't real um, so you've got to bear that in mind. But you know, my view is that so would a fellow student um, and it's on me to really think about that. Um, I guess just taking it back into kind of work domain uh, that you guys out there will know about Daniel Kahneman's work, Thinking Fast and Slow. So this is about um, heuristics as opposed to kind of more detailed reflection, making sure that you don't have bias in your thinking, thinking around a topic, taking your time on it. Um, and I think one thing just to add at the end is I found that ChatGPT in particular was very helpful on speeding up thinking slow. Uh, so I kind of like that idea. So heuristics is like shortcut thinking, it's like gut feel, intuition, that kind of that kind of idea. Um, when I want to avoid that, and so what I might use is ChatGPT to ask it whether I'm exhibiting bias in a particular thought or ask it to reframe a thought or ask it to think about something that I'm thinking about in the opposite way. So I'm challenging it to help me do my slow thinking, which is the careful non-biased thinking and try and speed that up. So this is quite a cool idea that you can take thinking fast and slow, avoid the thinking fast, but making the thinking slow faster, if that makes any sense to anyone. That's kind of what I've been doing. Really interesting that, again, a different angle from uh, how we've been using it. Um, but I think probably something a lot a lot of people can relate to. Um, it kind of, it brings us on for the for our last few minutes of our webinar to um, the philosophical angle that we we defaulted back to a number of times when we were talking through the specifics of, of using AI. Um, Wanda, do you want to talk a little bit to that? Yeah, sure, Matt. I think, you know, it does raise questions for us and it does raise emotion for us. Uh, Nick uh, touched on this, um, and I'm going to struggle to say this word because I struggle every single time, anthropomorphizing, which is really where we assign emotion to something um, uh, that isn't human and we assign human emotion to that thing. Um, you know, and uh, so it may bring frustration and anger and all of those kinds of uh, disillusionment up for us uh, in the moment. Um, but it may also bring, uh, we may feel resistance 
uh, to it. Uh, we may feel awkward, we may feel clumsy, we may feel self-doubt. So really, the question is really around um, noticing, right? What, what is coming up for me? What questions is it raising from a zoom out perspective? What questions is it raising from a zoom in perspective for me? And just like in your exploration, Matt, thinking about, well, let me reflect on that a little bit, right? Let me think about why is it that I'm feeling this way, right? Uh, or what, what could it be, uh, you know, that makes me feel this way? Um, uh, my in my own reflections, what's come up for me is that it, it's just like any other change. You know, uh, it feels uncomfortable. Um, there is um, this awkwardness and this clumsiness um, around it. And for me, sometimes a, a little sense of disorientation, which is this kind of uh, quality of, of not being able to see the wood for the trees, right? Um, and all of that is absolutely normal because it's new to us. Um, so... This idea of, uh, you know, what questions is it raising for us individually? What questions is it raising for us collectively? Um, and then also, what, what could these emotions that are coming up for me um, give me insight into? Um, and, and how can I reflect on why that's coming up for me, just like Matt did? Um, there's also this discussion that we reflected back on, uh, which is really around... Um, you know, is it lying or cheating or does it just feel like lying or cheating to us? And, and perhaps that's got something to do uh, with our next slide, uh, which is really around um, tipping points. Um, and I thought it, this was just a very uh, wonderful representation of, of how tipping points actually happen. And Nick gave a beautiful, beautiful example uh, where he talked all the way back to kind of uh, the steam engine and what an amazing kind of innovation that was. Um, and as we hold this picture and just have a look at it and, and talk about old paradigms and think about old paradigms and new paradigms, maybe Nick, you want to just uh, wax lyrical on, on and give us a little bit of reflection on what we had talked about. You're on mute. And my new unmute methodology didn't work for a moment there. So, uh, thank you uh, for pointing that out. So, um, yeah, thanks. Um, I just remember someone saying uh, about the technology of our age being different depending on what generation you are. So, um, you know, when we're, you know, in our midlife, uh, the technology of our age is what's being invented right now and what we use in our trade and what we use in business and, and at school, and, you know, and it's, it's exciting and dynamic and new. And if we are, you know, the older generation, you know, it's disturbing and worrying and frightening and transformative and it's going to change the world in a really uncomfortable way, you know. And uh, if we're babies, um, it's just what happened and, you know, just what was around in the world as we grew up. Um, so each generation has a completely different take from kind of an emotional point of view on the technology of their day. And I love the idea of the steam train. So as the steam train turned up, you have to remember it was revolutionary. And some people were saying, what on earth are you doing getting on that dangerous thing? You might suffocate. Just get in, you know, get in the horse and cart. Uh, you know, but for those babies that were brought up in the steam age, you know, steam train is just a steam train. It's just what they always saw. And it was nothing, nothing new. Right. So I, that's just a lovely idea of how different ages and generations and times respond differently to the same thing. Yeah, Thanks. a good, a great thought, Nick. Um, I know we've we've we're drawing up on time. It's it's quarter past now. Um, I think we've just got one more slide, Nick. You had a few thoughts on some practical things to consider for people's businesses to to, to tie it up. 
Yeah, as it is new and novel, I think we have to be careful here. So um, you know, it's worth thinking about how people might get started if they want to. I think it's worth uh, kind of just considering the fact that uh, the innovation curve that you've been shown suggests that half the audience will already have started and half won't. And um, that being the case, if you're a leader, then you kind of need to know that's already happening and therefore get out there with it. Um, so I think for leaders, it's this uncomfortable truth that there's no way back. You have to just adopt it and try and get in there. Um, culturally, I think it's really important to take into account that it is going to be shifting how people work really quickly. Um, and therefore, there can be HR issues, can be work profile issues. Um, some people will want, you know, will need to stop doing certain things and start doing other things. And so there's a big shift in work patterns here. You have to take that into account because there's negotiation to do about that and there might be um, conflicts and the need for mediation resolution, um, just adopting it. Um, so those first three kind of points, um, you know, it's gonna get started. So just think about how you want to initiate that for those people who haven't, you know, the cultural point about um, both how we shift our work patterns and also what conflict might come up. And then my kind of key point here is like, just go transparent. I would say go transparent because that's the only way you're gonna find out what's really going on. Which takes me into the last point, really, uh, the next two, which is about policies and procedures. I think as a work environment, uh, you have a kind of really important work context. It's, it's a place with rules. And so just having a free-for-all, which if you don't go transparent, you're going to have Wild West. You know, that's really inappropriate. You have to start to try and work out what your policies and procedures are going to be um, and how it's okay or not okay to use this um, and start getting into that. Um, and very importantly, there's going to be regulation coming down the tracks. The European Union has already kind of started the big regulation piece on this, getting ahead of the whole world. Um, one piece of which is that there will have to be notification of every single piece of AI you're using in your systems. And there might be 34 already running. Right? So your team might not even know how they're using AI right now. Um, and there could be fines. Uh, there's going to be big fines, theoretically, coming down the track, like GDPR for this. So you need to get ahead of the game on this kind of stuff right now. So think about it like a change. Um, maybe you need a steering group, maybe you need some change agents, maybe you need some user cases, maybe you need to start thinking about how you're going to pilot. So just some initial thoughts for how as a leader to start getting your head around, you know, why and how and in which domains you need to start thinking. Brilliant. I think that's a really great way um, to, to wrap us up. And I would definitely echo that. My, my thoughts are um, it's important to know what your options are and to have a think about this, whether you choose to use it or not. Um, and if time is your big barrier, perhaps think about somebody in your business that you might be able to put onto doing a bit of research. Um, I think knowing is important, even if you choose not, not to use it. Um, okay, fantastic. What a great discussion. I thoroughly enjoyed both researching that and, and talking it through it with everybody. And I can see the chat's been uh, pinging away um, so we're going to close up this, the session in a, in a second after just a quick wrap-up slide. Um, uh, when we finish up presenting, I'm going to stop recording and we can open up some questions. Uh, so we'll try and put microphones uh, live for everybody. So anybody that wants to come on and, and ask some questions um, is very welcome to do so. Uh, do you want to flick to our wrap-up slide, please? Excellent. So our next Strategy Cafe is going to be on the 26th of October. Um, we're going to be continuing this conversation on AI, but we're going to be focusing in a little bit more on discussing potential downsides, the risks and, and regulations. 
Um, and the wonderful Minstar will be coming back to join us, um, a returning face on Strategy Cafe. I'm sure this is probably a, a topic that everybody's seen in the news. I know as I've been preparing for this, I've seen maybe 10 articles in the tech news talking about AI, and a big chunk of that is around uh, regulation. Um, and finally, I want to just um, point you towards a simple uh, two-page document that we've been putting together. Um, I think Alice is kindly working on, and we're going to try and send that send that around following um, this strategy cafe. And it's something which will hopefully um, give people a few ideas and indications of how they can start using AI in their business. So we'll send that around. I'd be really interested in any any feedback from that as well.